So if you would, go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to start there. Um, remember, we're going back to the basics uh, in the morning session here, and last week we looked at time past part one, right? So uh, if you remember, we, we went up from, really we went from Adam to Moses, kind of. Uh, really we went from Adam to Abraham and found out some things about that. Uh, if you remember, we started drawing the chart some time ago. Um, it seems like it's been forever since we've been here. So, I think last year sometime when we did that. It seems so long ago. Um, but if you remember, um, let's start off here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Paul says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as, eat as doth a canker of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word, that uh, you've written it down for us on paper, that we can have it, we can handle it, we can study it, uh, that we might come to a greater knowledge and, and understanding of your word. Um, and uh, how it works in and through us to produce the life that you've designed it to produce. Uh, to the praise and honor and glory of your grace, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, um, you know, this is the basis of, of everything that we're doing here, right? Uh, the Second Timothy 2.15 about how to study the Bible rightly divided, right? And we talked about those things and how when Paul, we said, if Paul tells you how to rightly divide then Paul's probably the one that's going to tell us to do it, right? If he's going to tell us to do it, he's going to tell us how to do it. So he, we, we looked over in Ephesians chapter 2, and what we did from there is we kind of gave us ourselves a visual of what was going on, how the Bible's laid out, right? Uh, we talked about the fact that, that uh, dispensationalism isn't about time, but it's about this schedule that God has, and there just happens to be time involved in it, right? There's a plan that God has from eternity past that the Godhead came up with that they're going to accomplish in eternity future. And then all the stuff that goes on between those things is what we find out in the books of Genesis through Revelation, right? And so what's interesting is, as we go down through there, and as we've talked about before, since it does involve time, there are some timing elements, right? Now, the very first book or very first verse in the Bible says what? In the beginning. You got time. Very first verse. Three words in, you've got time, right? So time is involved. And what's really interesting is, if you think about this, one day there won't be time. There won't be a need, a need for a watch. There won't need to be any time for let's schedule this and let's schedule that. You know, we'll meet you on this day or whatever. Um, and we can't, we can't really think about that, right? That's kind of hard to kind of think through. But there's, there is time involved in the things that we've got here. And in fact, that's what Paul gives us here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So we talked about um, before that there is a difference between the circumcision and the uncircumcision, right? And it's important that we see that he's talking about in that they're called the uncircumcision by the circumcision in the flesh made by hands because there is a 
fleshly circumcision that's done by hands, but there's also one that's a spiritual circumcision that's not done by hands. And it's important for us to, to understand those things and know the difference between them. And so what a lot of times people will do is they'll say, every time you see circumcision, that's a spiritual circumcision. And it's not. Very clearly. And we went back and we looked at Abraham, right? Yeah. And you hear those types of things all the time. And what happens is we go back to Genesis chapter 17. We found out there was a literal, visible, physical earthly circumcision that was taking place at that time, right? And so then we talked about, notice if you drop down to verse 13, well, verse 12, notice again what he says, that at that time. Well, what's the time? That's what he just talked about was time past, right? So there has to be a marking that declares this is time past and this is no longer time past, right? For instance, our, our marking, for instance, for past would be yesterday. Everything from when I just said from before is all past, right? And so every time I speak one word, the next word's already in the past. So that's, there's some demarcation for a past. And so then what we got to do is we got to find out what that, that, what that demarcation is. Well, if you drop down to verse 13... It says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So what we have to think about is there is a time where these two folks are no longer separated. And if we can find out when that takes place, then we've got a really good idea when time past ends, if you will. Okay. And so that's what he's dealing with as, as, as far as we got here. But notice in verse 14. For he is our peace, who hath made both one. Well, who's the both in the context are the circumcision and uncircumcision, right? Very clear. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Well, what's the thing that separated those two was the actual act of circumcision, right? We looked at the history of that back in Genesis 17. And we talked about this the last time. Sometimes what folks will say is, well that middle wall partition was the law. Well, it can't be, because if you look at verse 15, he says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. So he's gotten rid of the middle wall partition, the difference between us, and he's also, what? Abolished the law. So the law and the middle wall can't be the same thing. And so that's one of those things that we talked about before. So when that middle wall is erected is with Abraham in Genesis 17, right? Well, what we're going to mainly look at today is the fortification for that wall, and we'll see how far we can get um, through here. So that's kind of reminding us of what we went through the last time. Um, we looked at the fact that everybody was Gentiles, right? Until you get to Abraham, then there's a split. And what's, what the purpose of the split is is God's going to say, I want the world to know what a nation looks like who has God as their God, right? And so he says, I'm going to separate you and place you above, which is why in the chart we've got them above. I'm going to set you above everybody else in the world, all the rest of the nations. So some words that we have for circumcision 
would be Gentiles or nations. All right. So if we keep those things in mind as we go through, that will kind of help us out as we go through there. All right. Now, let's real quick go back to Exodus 19. Exodus chapter 19. And we'll, we'll see this a little bit more as you go through. So just to kind of give us a history lesson up to this point. Um, the na- Israel, which isn't a nation um, prior to uh, Moses, uh, where we find ourselves there is they're in captivity in Egypt, right? And it was something that was prophesied that this is going to happen. Right? You're going to be in captivity in a land that's not yours. And so then what happens is they're over here in Egypt, and this is where we, this is where we come out. After this, after, after they're brought up out of Egypt, they're actually born as a nation. All right? And we talked about that before. When they're coming through the Red Sea, that's their birth. Right? They go in with, what, 70 people, and they come out with, Millions almost. But you've got, they're born as a nation. And that's where we find ourselves here in in Exodus chapter 19. Notice. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. All right? So you got a picture. They, they, they come through the Red Sea. They come out. They get to this place, and they're, putting up, they're setting up camp, right? And so then notice what they're doing in verse 3. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called, out, called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel. Now, what I want you to think about here is circumcision. Um, he, he gives us a couple things here, right? Um, Jacob. And then uh, tell the children of Israel, right? Now, one of the things that hopefully we know, and if not, it's okay. Um, Jacob, you have what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Jacob's name is changed to what? Israel. So when we see these things, in fact, this is one of the reasons why it's important. When we look at the 70th week, another name for it is the time of Jacob's trouble. Question, who's the trouble for then? Israel. Israel. So that's something that we need to know, huh? Not Gentiles. Not gen- well, more specifically, not the body of Christ, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a key thing for us to know. So a lot of times we, we hear things out there today you know, the tribulation's coming next week. God told me. God came to me in a vision. You got to start, you know, getting your boats ready and all this stuff. And, and they're using all these metaphors. And you can't, you can't deny what the person says because God told them, right? Start prepping because the 70th week is coming. Daniel's 70th week is coming. Hopefully we know. And, of course, the way I've drawn this, we're not on this chart. Right? And I want us to keep that in mind because this is the original, if you will, this is the original timeline that's given to Israel. We're not part of it unless we're down here. 
And that's an important thing to, to, to keep in mind because in a, in a Jew's mind, that's their time history. Yeah, we're still down there. Yeah, and we're still here. According to them. According to them. And so then that's one thing important to, to know if we ever have a conversation with, a folk, with, with somebody that's Jewish. We've got to know something about their program to be able to show them, hey, things are different, mm-hmm. right? And so then as we get on through here, we keep this stuff in mind. So then hopefully we know that before that 70th week can begin, we've got to be gone. The body of Christ has to be gone. The rapture is not Matthew 24, never has been, never will be. It's not Revelation chapter 4, never has been, never will be. The only place you're going to find the rapture is in Paul's epistles. Only place. Oh, those people disappearing are people being taken away from Yeah. And if you look, that's what he's talking about. We, we even mentioned that Wednesday night when we're going through Matthew chapter 6 right now. We talked about that. We go over there in Matthew 24. He says, as it was in the days of Noah. Mm-hmm. So then he's telling you in the context what's going to happen down here. The ones that are taken in Noah's day, are taken off into judgment. Yes. Those who are left go into this ark. new yes. life after the ark, right? Yes. So then you've got to look at those things and actually care about what the Bible says in order to do those things instead of just pulling stuff out of the air and saying, Lord told me. Yes. Anyway, so we know that we have to be gone before that happens. So one of the things we should never be worried about is anything to do with Mark of the Beast, Tribulation Period, none of that stuff. You don't find confidence in that. You find fear in that. And people make money off of fear. That's my soapbox on it. All right, verse 3. And when Moses went up unto God, and and the Lord, uh, Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye, who's the ye there? Those people right there. Not these people down here, right? Notice, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. In fact, the Egyptians would be these folks down here, right? And how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Notice, Above all people. That's one reason why we have them up here and not down here, right? They're above all people. Notice, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. Now, there's some really interesting things here. So, they're above all people, right? They're going to be a kingdom of priests. And what? And holy nation. That's part of who they are. That's the ye, not these folks down here, right? So we've got to keep those things in mind as we go through. By the way, that's not America. Hate to break the people. We're not a holy nation. Never have been (laughs) and never will be. It, It may even collapse before then. I wouldn't be shocked if it wouldn't before then. In Revelation, it mentions nothing about America. No. Oh, it's the eagle. No, it's not. Just quit. Anyway, <laughs> we can spend a whole time on that. Uh, <clears throat> so, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. 
And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. Notice, And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, what? We will do. do. Give me something to do and I'll do it. Isn't that what religion is today? Give us something to do, we'll do it, and I'll prove that I'm good. Notice, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop there for just a second. So what happens is, Moses goes up, talks to God, and he says, I want you, Moses, to go tell these people, keep my commandments. And they say, let's do it. Give me the list. Check them off. And Moses goes back to God and says, all right, they're in. What's interesting is Israel all the time, and it's really, it's really interesting, we always look at Israel and think, man, you all had it. You had it made, and you just blew it every single time. God fed you every day. You blew it every single time. And then sometimes we're always looking at them saying, man, how could you do that? And yet we do the exact same thing. For the same reason, for a lack of knowledge, right? Uh, But it's interesting as you go through there. So what we have here is what? Israel now has what they're going to have here in chapter 20. Um, Notice in chapter 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying... So what happens is Moses goes up into the mount. God writes out for him the law. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, that's really interesting. And I wish we had time to do that and talk about what that means because that's really, there's a very specific thing with that. And so when we talk about hell sometime down the future, we'll get into what, what all that stuff is because it's really interesting. But... Uh, Verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, the images there, right? Nor serve them, talking about the images, for for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of uh, of, of the Lord thy God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor uh, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle. Now you think about that for a second. How are you going to stop a cow from doing work, you know? Well, the idea is he's, you've got him out here plowing, plowing the fields or whatever, right? So that's what it is. Um, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Now, who's the stranger there? You've got some strangers out here that might be a part of, part of, of, of what you're dealing with. Um, for in six days uh, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. 
Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And we, you know, you go down through. So what's he doing? Here's the Ten Commandments. What's interesting is Moses goes down on, on the mountain, looks down, sees everybody down there partying. And it's not the party that gets him. It's the fact that they've taken all their gold and all their things and melted it down and have created a calf. And they're worshiping the calf saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is, is when you're looking at that, why a cow? Well, Satan's what it is, right? And so, you know, you've got all kinds of stuff there. So there's that false religious system out there that, that's dealing with that. So what we have here, really, is what? We've got the wall erected with Abraham, and you've got the wall fortified with the law, right? Not until you get to Paul's epistles do you find out that the purpose of the law is to show that you're a sinner, that you can't do it. And what did, what did Israel say in chapter 19, verse 8 is what? Give us what you want, and we'll do it. Yep. Tell us, and we'll, we'll make sure that we get it done. Um, Go real quick over to Joshua. Joshua 24. So Joshua chapter uh, 24. By the way, if you ever have a chance, Joshua is really, really interesting to, to go through and read. Um, but in Joshua chapter 1, you've got Moses is dead, so Joshua is taken over. We get over here to chapter 4. Um, 4 or 24? 24, yeah. Did I say 4? I apologize. You all knew where you're going, so you're good. Joshua 24. It's been a really weird couple of weeks with the kidney stone, and I've still got it and everything else that goes along with it, but... We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, chapter 24. Let's, let's start off in verse 17. All right. Uh, For the Lord our God, he, is, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. So what he's doing is he's taking them back here, right? Bringing them up out of, out of Egypt. From the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went uh, and, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave them out before us, all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your trespasses nor your sins. Notice, if ye forsake the Lord. Now, when you think about what's going on here, he says what? There's this, this issue, and we talked about it before with Deuteronomy, right? You go back to Deuteronomy 28, and he says, if you do these things, then I'm going to bless you. And if you don't do these things, you're going to have a curse. And he's same, saying the same thing here. He will not forgive you your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. Now, what does Israel do over and over again? Forsake the Lord and follow after strange gods. 
when, when you go back and you see you've got um, Saul and David and Solomon, the first three kings in the nation of Israel. What happens with Solomon is he starts getting into this Baal worship stuff, which is really the same stuff that Egypt was into, which is really what every religious system that you see today is based off of. And they always followed those things. Why? Because it felt good doing it, is really what it is. It appeals to the flesh. That's why a lot of people enjoy religion, because it appeals to the flesh. I feel like I'm doing something good. And then what that makes is, since I'm doing something good, God, you now owe me whatever. Eternal life, health, wealth, whatever. Um, But notice, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Isn't that the same thing they said with Moses? Tell us what to do and we'll do it. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves. What's he saying? The pattern of behavior that you all have displayed throughout history and time is telling us that you won't do what God says to do, right? You're telling you're you're basically telling you telling 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 about yourself. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you the that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him, and they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. So he's saying, Look, you all have all this stuff here, and you're saying that I'm going to follow God, and we know the track record there. And he says, So what you need to do is put these things away. Right? And the people, verse 24, and the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was the, by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto, unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us, it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So stop and think about this real quick. It's really interesting. He says what? The stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard. That's interesting. Because normally you don't think of a stone as something that can hear, but he's saying, here's this stone, and what it's a witness unto us. It's basically saying, what, was, what does Israel have to have? Israel requires a sign. The sign is, here's this stone. This stone is a witness to us. It's a, it's, a, it's a sign to us that we're going to do, and we promise to God that we will do what you said. Well, how did they fare? <laughs> not, not very good, right? Um, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, real quick, go back to, to Romans chapter 3. Or over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Here's my point that I want to get real quick. Um, we see, hopefully, that the law is added. All right, so I said Romans 3, but hold your place there. And go get, go get Galatians real quick. 
Go get Galatians chapter 3, because we'll get back over to Romans chapter 3 here in a second. But I want us to see um, what we've got here. Notice in Galatians chapter 3. Let's take a look at... Um, We won't go through the whole thing. Let's just start off in verse 17 real quick. Um, verses 13, 14, and 15. Verses 14 especially talks about a promise. But that, that'll show up here in this, this other verses too. Notice in verse 17. And this I say that the covenant that was, bef that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. So what he's doing is, Paul tells us right there, there is, a, there is a thing called the law. And notice what he says, the law was 430 years after something, right? And the, the law can't disannul that something. Well, we find out, verse 18, For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Verse 19, Wherefore then serveth the law... It was what? Added. Because of, because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So what he's saying is there is a law that was added to what he calls promise, right? There's a promise that's made specifically here to Abraham. And that promise, if you go on down in verse 21, the promise is eternal life. Right? So there's a promise that is given to Abraham specifically about there is going to be eternal life. And we talked about this before. When, uh, when Abraham takes his son Isaac up into the mountain to sacrifice him, Hebrews tells us what? He knew that God would be able to raise him from the dead if he actually has to go through with it. So he goes... Huh? Yeah. Um, so you've got Genesis 22 is the actual thing that takes place. And he... Abraham is persuaded, he's fully persuaded what God has told him is going to come, and pa come to pass. And he knows that if he has to die, he has to also get eternal life. So he, we talked about it before, he knows something about resurrection life, right? So there's this promise of eternal life. And for the nation of Israel, something was added. And that thing that was added was the law. And he tells us right here in verse 19, Wherefore then serveth the law? What's the purpose of the law? It was added. Why? Because of, transgression. because of transgressions. So then what we find out here is what's the real purpose of the law is to show that we are sinful. Back over to Romans chapter 3, and we'll see that, right? So there's a promise that's given. God adds to it the law, but the law can't disannul that promise of eternal life. What do we now know about the law? Can the law provide eternal life? No. Could it ever provide eternal life? No. Can it get rid of eternal life? No. It can't disannul that promise, right? So that's something that's really interesting on this side, if you will, of the cross to know that stuff. Really, I would say this side of Acts 9, really, right? Because they didn't even know that in Christ's earthly ministry or even after his resurrection. Okay. Um, Romans 3. Because this is a really good question based on what's going on in Romans chapter 2. 
it's really interesting. Romans chapter 1, he's talking to he's talking to us about this is what the world's going to look like. And it's going to look just like what they did back in ba- uh, Tower of Babel. And that's what he's talking about in chapter 1. Chapter 2, you get into those self-righteous, um, I'm a good person type of person in chapter 2, 1 through 16. And the fact that they still have a judgment because being good is never going to get there. And then the rest of that ver- chapter in chapter 2 is about the the Israel. Well, what about them? Well, if you get down to verse uh, 1 of chapter 3, he says, and this is a great question based off of what's going on in chapter 2. Well, what advantage then hath the Jew? It's a really good question. If, if the Jews are just on the same place as we are today, which they're not back here, right? right? He says, well, what's the advantage of being a Jew then? That's a great question. And he answers it, right? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Verse 2, much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God who was it that was given God's word throughout history Israel and their prophets right when we go back over to Ephesians 2 and he talks about the fact that you were at this time back here you were without God that means God was up here you were without Christ that means God is up here Christ is up here you didn't. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. There were covenants of promise up here. They had everything. So what was the what was the advantage that the Jews had? Chiefly, unto them was committed the oracles of God. God actually spoke to them through those prophets. If you were alive back here, you had nothing, and it was only through. Blessing the nation of Israel, can you become a proselyte? And even then, you're still looked down upon by those people. And that was just part of it. Um, but what do we see here? Um, God gave them the promise to take to the world and gave them the law. Right? Years ago, and I, I got caught up in this stuff too, Years ago when everybody's saying, we need the Ten Commandments on the front lawns of every, every courthouse. No, we don't because you can't make a Gentile do what a Jew couldn't even do by the Jew standard. So then why would you expect people today, because we're all in the same, same boat now, right? How can we make people today try to live as, as though the Jews... Yeah. Yeah. Be quiet. Yeah. Spread that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're doing more harm than good a lot of times. Um, real quick, go over to First Peter chapter two. And. Um, We'll, we'll we'll see something here real quick. Uh, there there's there's something really interesting here. But but what I wanted us to keep in mind is what we're talking about is this time pass period, right? By the way, you see everything's up here, right? It was really good to be part of that group back then. Um, not so much down here. 
Notice here, First um, Peter chapter two. Let's let's start off at, at uh, verse one, just to kind of get the context here. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. By the way, I want you to think about this too. First Peter is written for the people that are be going through that seventieth week of Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, if we studied out and we don't look at outside people's numbers, the very last book that was ever written was Second Timothy. Yeah. Everything was written prior to that. And I know everybody comes along and says, Revelation was written in 90 AD. It wasn't. It was written way before that. 50 to 55 AD. Yeah. So, I mean, it was written before Paul penned Second Timothy. So then, we think about those things, but what's really interesting is that first Peter is written for people that's going through that tribulation period. Are we going through the tribulation period? Is first Peter written directly to us? Can we read it and understand it though? Yeah. Should we? Yeah. One of the, one of the greatest things that, that I've ever heard leveled against any of us is we all don't care about anything outside those 13 epistles. Um, I would say I think we care more about that than most people do. Now, yeah, of the prophets. Now, what's interesting is, is um, there are folks that do not do anything other than Romans through Philemon, and that's a detriment to to most everybody because that's the group everybody focuses on and says, "See, you're just like them." Okay, then you move on. Um, another soapbox Free moment. Gracers. Huh? Free gracers. <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, verse 1. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming... Uh, as unto us a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. You go on down, and, and there's some things there that's really interesting, but drop down to verse 9. And he's telling them, he's reminding them of what took place back here. All right, And if you think about this, what he's going to do there in, in the verses that we're skipping there, he's going to remind those people during the tribulation period of that time right there. He's going to remind him of, of what's going on. What took place right before the, birth, the death of Jesus Christ all the way up until the stoning of Stephen. He's going to remind them of what's going on there. Notice in verse 9. But ye, who's the ye? These people out here, specifically, it's going to be the 144,000, the little flock at that time, oh, right? Gotcha. And so he's going to talk to them and then say, you're going to go out and do some things, so then people are going to be brought back unto their ministry, and they're going to become part of that ye. And notice, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of the darkness into this marvelous light. 
which in time past were not a people. Now, there is a time when that little flock and people who were members of that little flock were they no people. Moses talked about it in, in back in, Paul even brings it up, and he says, you're no people, and God's going to provoke you to, to the nation of Israel to jealousy by no people. That's a little flock during Christ's time. Peter and all those folks. Right? So when you think about what's going on there, he's saying, in time past we're not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So there's a group of people here that live up until they all die and go away, really, that was called the little flock. So their job was to go out into the world and preach that gospel, the Great Commission, right? And that was part of it, yeah. That was part of their job. Um, was it Romans chapter 10? He goes into that, right? So he, go, he talks about that little flock was to provoke the unbelieving Israel to jealousy. Well, they did so much so that they actually murdered Stephen, yeah. right? And so then what we have to think about is if this was the original timeline, which it was, but God knew that he was going to come in here and put in the dispensation of grace, right? But you've got to think this little flock was going to be that little flock at that time. But since God intervened with the dispensation of grace, you're going to have to have a new group of little flock, if you will. And you've got to think, this is going to be at least 2,000, if not more, years from the time that these people knew this. And so that's why Peter's reminding them this is what was taking place back there. And we've now got a job to do. And we get to go do the actual Great Commission, not just here during the 70th week, but going into that millennial reign. So you've got Christ comes back, you've got the thousand years. Satan is put in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and he's loose for a season. I still want to know what a season is. I've not figured that out yet. Yeah. Um, how long is that season? I want right? to know how long the line, the line for Jesus for a season. Yeah. I want to know what a season is. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, so then you've got... Um, Christ comes back and he sets up the great white throne judgment, right? And then all that stuff, and then you've got the dispensation of the fullness of times that Paul talks about in Ephesians. But what I want us to think about is there's things here and things over here in 1 Peter that refer to this stuff back here. Um, so when we're talking about time past, we have to know these things so that we know what's going to be taking place even in the future and know that they're different than what's taking place today. Because we're not, we're not these people in First Peter chapter 2. No matter how hard we try to make it, we're not. Second Peter, he talks about those things that Paul said. Mm -hmm. that, so that was written after Paul. Mm -hmm. More of like a, like a it, I know things have changed, but he's still going to come. It's just yeah. right Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but what I, again, what I want us to think about is we've got the promise back here we talked about the last time with Abraham. God's added the law here with Moses. Mm -hmm. When did the law stop is really what we want to look at. And we'll get to that as we go down through here, um, dealing with those things. And part of all that stuff is behind all that stuff you have. I know this is a mess, but 
behind all that stuff is a kingdom it's going to be here on this earth one day it's not here now we're not a part of the kingdom now um, that's something that's still yet future yeah, no I've always said, if this is what the kingdom is, I don't want a part of it. <laughs> if this is what it is. And it's not. And I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because I know it's not. And I say it in a joking manner, but it's really a very serious type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that gets us up through, or that gets us up to, and we're going to start talking about the next time with um, Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. Uh, what's going on there? Um, because that's still part of time past, and we'll talk about why. The way you know you're in time past is, is there a difference between Jew and Gentile, circumcision and uncircumcision? And once you find that there's no longer a difference, then you've moved. So that's the demarcation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, so questions, comments, concerns,